previously on For the Love of Story podcast. For this first one, I wanted to do something special, and so I went with a prompt that I wrote myself. And that reads, A loud crackling sound startles you awake. You scream in horror as you see a man in a bright red suit standing over your bed. He says, good, you're awake. We have to go now. Before grabbing your hand and pulling you through a black hole in the wall. As you look back into your room, you see another black hole open with a crackle. A man in a bright blue suit jumps through, runs towards you, screaming, No! Hey there, story lovers. Welcome back to For the Love of Story podcast. I am your host, TJ Truly Tooley. I'm so glad that you're joining me for episode two. And thank you so much to all of you who listened to my first episode and um, looked at all my posts on social media. It really means a lot to me. Uh, last week was kind of my brief introduction to this podcast, and I added a little sneak peek of this week's episode by reading the prompt that I came up with for this week's show. Um, I had a great time figuring out what story this prompt was going to become, and the first story is a short form, first person. I'm hoping to try out different styles and perspectives for future episodes, but for right now, Uh, Let's just jump right in. I hope you all enjoy my story. I jolted awake as I sat up in my bed. It sounded like lightning had struck the house. I looked at the wall across from my bed and saw a dark circle. It seemed to be surrounded by small lightning bolts constantly dancing around the shape. I got out of bed to inspect this peculiar object when suddenly a man emerged from the shadows. I said, good, you're awake. We have to go, now. I screamed louder and higher pitched than I ever had before. I quickly backed away and stumbled painfully to the floor. My mind was racing. Who was this guy? How'd he get into my room? What does he want from me? He was wearing a bright red suit, had big, round goggles. Everything from his shoes, pants, tie, and jacket to the massive lenses of the goggles almost seemed to glow. What scared me most were the eyes. Something about the bug-eye goggles was unsettling. It was like he was looking into my mind and reading my thoughts. For a second, it felt like I was looking at myself through his eyes. We don't have time for this, the man said, his deep, growling voice. He roughly grabbed my arms and lifted me in the air. He threw me over his shoulders and started carrying me towards the dark hole in the wall. My heart was beating out of my chest. I tried to resist, but he was too strong. I called out for my mom and dad but the man covered my mouth. I managed to grab my bed frame and held on for dear life. As I struggled, there was a blinding flash of light, a deafening crack that rocked the room. A second lightning-edged hole had appeared on the opposite side of the room. Enough playing around, the man in red said. I felt a sharp pain in my neck, and the room began to grow darker. My body went limp, and I felt myself being carried into the hole. I saw the ring of lightning as the room grew darker. I saw a man in a glowing blue suit and goggles jump through the second hole. He gasped and sprinted towards us, screaming, No! The last thing I saw was the blue man's outstretched hand, 
before the tunnel vision took over. When I first woke up, I was in a small, dark, concrete room. I was tied to a chair. The news was being projected on the wall in front of me, but it wasn't any news channel I recognized. The top story was about the man in the red suit. He reminded me of my uncle from old family pictures. He was on trial, but had escaped custody. The police seemed to have had him cornered, and suddenly there was a blinding light followed by darkness. The next time I woke up, I was in the same dark room tied to the chair. The news was being projected on the wall again. It was the man in red again, but this time he had a lot of violent people with him, and they were terrorizing the city, holding its officials hostage. The news cameras showed the building being swept by military and police. Surely he couldn't escape this time. Smoke and light flashes filled the room as they raided the building he was in. Just then, another flash of light filled the room I was in, and everything went dark. I remembered this happening several more times. Each time I would see the man in red doing something terrible. Each act more terrible than the last. And each time, he seemed to have people help more people helping him than before. This time was different. When I woke up, the man in red was addressing the media as the leader of the country. He was doing some horrible things still, committing crimes on camera, but nobody was stopping him. Banners with his face were flying next to black flags with a thick red stripe running left to right and a white circle in the middle. I didn't know what they were for, but I imagined they were his country's flag. The coverage this time switched to some military personnel wearing all blue, who the news referred to as the resistance, surrounding the man in red's home for an ambush. As I watched on in anticipation, there was a bright light. I braced for the darkness, but it didn't come. Instead, I heard voices above my head. I realized that light was coming from above. I looked up and saw blue-clad resistance uniforms. The leader greeted me, and she told me, We're going to get you out of here. I asked what was going on and who the people were, and the resistance leader assured me she would tell me everything once we were safe. I was apparently strapped to some sort of explosives the whole time. According to the man who carefully freed me from them, they were likely remote detonated, as probable that the man in red had that control. He told me that I was lucky to be alive. As I was lifted out of the small room, I realized I had been some sort of storm shelter or bunker. We were in a forest somewhere with a picturesque lake nearby. I felt like I knew where we were. I felt like I'd been there before, but not since I was much younger. Is that Holbrook Lake? I asked. It sure is, the leader answered. You used to come here with your parents every summer until you were taken, right? I was surprised how much she knew about my life. I had so many questions. I was escorted to a black vehicle with matching tinted windows. I got inside and was greeted by two armed resistance soldiers. I asked the leader if she was coming too. She said she would be meeting me when it was safe. She shut the door and my car drove off. There were screens in the car showing us the same news channel I was watching in the room. It showed the resistance breaking into the man in Red's home. There was smoke and flashes of light from inside, and suddenly an explosion rocked the car. I turned around and saw a huge fire and thick smoke coming from where we had just been. Hey look, there he is, one guard said, pointing at one of the screens. The man in red appeared to have jumped out of a second floor window and was limping away from the house. He was angrily pressing a button on some sort of device. Perhaps that was how he triggered the explosion. A red vehicle pulled up next to him, and he quickly jumped in, and it drove away. 
I kept watching the news until a small missile or bomb was shot at the camera and the feed was cut off. Dang, you got away, the other guard said, looking back at the fire. I hope everyone got out of there safe. We arrived at a secret resistance base. It was located underneath an abandoned grocery store in a small town outside of the city. I was searched before being offered a shower, fresh clothes, and some food. I had not seen my face for a while, but nothing prepared me for what I saw. When I was taken, I was supposed to be turning eight the next week. But the person I saw looking back in the mirror was much older. I had super long hair and even a beard. I began to panic when I first saw myself, and the leader of the search team had found me. She calmed me down. She explained that I had been taken from my home almost 20 years ago, and that is where things started to get weird. The lady introduced me to her commanding officers, the highest-ranking members of the resistance. They sat me down in a room and explained everything. They had been fighting the man in red for over a decade. He had grown in power and popularity with his followers believing he was an invincible god. Every plan had they had created to take him down had ended the same strange way. They would succeed in their plans and deliver what should be a killing blow. And then there would be a strange moment where the whole world would go white. And the man would be alive and well and escape in the confusion. They learned that every time he was about to die, a massive explosion would occur at a lake just outside of town. Every time, just like clockwork. This prompted them to investigate the explosion, and that's when they found me. At first, they were shocked to see me, because I looked so much like the man in red without his goggles. And that's when they learned the horrible truth. The man in red had devised a plan to grow in power and become theoretically invincible. He had broken into a government research lab and kidnapped the lead scientist for a project designed to increase space travel through black hole manipulation. He had created a device that would open a small black hole that he could physically step into. The device would allow time travel forward or backward and identified the date points as they passed. The strange thing about the discovery was that it was an accident. The man was trying to create a way to travel across space and accidentally discovered a way to travel across time. The man in red used this device to travel back in time to his childhood home, kidnap his past self, locked him in a bunker, and would trigger an explosion that would kill me every time he was about to die. This would create a paradox, because he couldn't die in the ambush if he died at a younger age. They theorized that the flash of white was a paradox correcting itself, moving time to back to just before both of his deaths. My deaths. I would grow up to become the man in red. As I sat in the room processing everything I had heard, the lady from the lake explained to me that they had created their own black hole device and they were planning on sending someone back in time to stop the man in red from kidnapping me to begin with. The hope was that this would level the playing field in a move he would not suspect. She told me that she had volunteered and was leaving soon. For the first time, I saw the resistance armor in person. It almost seemed to glow blue. There was a huge set of lens goggles that even covered the ears. The lenses provided a heads-up display and enclosed the communications device. As she was preparing to leave, I listened to all of the warnings by the scientists. I wanted to protect her because this was my doing, not hers. Nobody should have to risk their lives for my mistakes. She was ready and prepared to go, and as she was getting ready to step in, I yelled out, Wait! I'll do it! 
I didn't want her to risk her life just to save me. If the man in red was my future, then me dying would either result in a paradox where I never left, or the man in red would cease to exist. The leaders were very against the idea, but the scientists theorized that it could be safer because the only person that would be in the room that night would be me. After a lot of deliberating, it was decided that I was less valuable than their officers, so I could try. They suited me up in the armor and taught me how to work the device. Theoretically, it was like walking down a round, spinning hallway. I just had to go straight, hold the device to certain glowing points, and it would tell me the date. We would travel to my childhood home, which was still standing because the man in red had turned it into a museum of himself. We arrived at the house, and I put the armor on. I went up to my old room, which was now home, to an assortment of statues and paintings of the man in red. I activated the device and was shocked by a loud crack like lightning. I saw the black hole from my childhood before my eyes. The lady warned me that I'd be seeing two versions of myself, so I needed to be careful and protect the younger me. She gave me a hug and wished me luck as I jumped through the portal. It felt weird, a tingling sensation like electricity pulsing through my veins. I held the device up to the first glowing point I saw, it read one year before. The next was two. Several points passed, but finally I found the correct date. I activated the device, opening another black hole. I saw my old bedroom through it. I took a deep breath and jumped through. As I landed, I saw the man in red smile as he pulled my unconscious younger self towards another black hole. All of my memories of that night rushed back to me. I sprinted towards him, screaming, No! The black hole closed before I could reach myself. I beat my fists against the wall. I had failed. I'd be locked up underground for the next 20 years. What would happen to my parents? What would happen to the world? As I sat on the floor of my old room, the communications device in my ear activated and I heard the lady through it. Do you read me? What's happening? I was too late, I said. He got away. And there was silence. Hello, I said. Do you hear me? Do you read me? He got away. I heard more silence. Then I heard her respond in a cold, chilling voice. Attempt number 38 failed. No changes. We'll try tomorrow. Close the portal. So, uh, that's the story I came up for, with for the prompt. I hope you all enjoyed that. I had a really good time writing it. Um... Let me know if any of you wrote a, a story based on the prompt. I would love to read them or hear about them because these writing prompts, they really, really intrigue me, and it's one of my favorite things to do. And follow me on social media if you haven't already. I am at TJ Tooley on Twitter, TJ Tooley on everything else. Thank you so much. Check back next week for my first interview and guest segment, which I call Storytime with a good friend of mine who helped design the logos and brands for this podcast. I am very excited to be welcoming Creative Bobby onto the show. So check back next week, and until next time, this has been yours truly, Tooling.